Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my mate, James Jones. West Ham United have got six points from a possible nine in their last three games, that is a total that is well over and above what both Jonesy and I said would be a decent return before the Southampton game. A 1-0 away win at Fulham on the weekend, our first since last year. However, despite that, off the back, of course, of the 5-1 thrashing at home by Newcastle. There was still some negativity around on West Ham Twitter, among a few friends of mine. Certainly one friend of mine who was at the game. I went out for a drink with him on Saturday night after the Fulham game. The Fulham game it was, he was out. He picked me up from my house on his way back from the game. I got in the car, opened the door, big smile on my face. You know, three points on the road, six points from six, up to 12th. I think that win put us, obviously, we've dropped down a couple of places since then. I thought, absolutely happy days. I said, you're right, mate. Did you have a good day? And he just went, that was dire. I'm here with James Jones. I haven't spoke to him too much since the game, so I'm not sure exactly how he feels about it. Jonesy, six points from a possible nine with an absolute humbling by Newcastle wedged in the middle. Neither the performance at Southampton or Fulham were overly good. David Moyes came out after the game, the Fulham game, excuse me, and said six points from nine. He said the same sort of things I'm saying. There was suggestion that he was almost taking the mickey a little bit or mocking some of those fans in the away end with Moyes out banners who were singing, don't know what you're doing at him. He said at this stage of the season, the performances matter slightly less than the results. That is sort of from the Sam Allardyce playbook, which I don't usually like. However, 
I do make him right. How are you? Uh, and what are your thoughts? How do you feel about West Ham? James, James's iPhone. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest, Jonesy. I've put my all into the <laughs> intro there. And all I've heard from you is creaking noises from your seats. Your iPhone telling you what it is and it isn't doing. If you want me to do the podcast on my own this week, I'm more than happy to. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you want to start with whatever it is going on in your life at the moment? How you feel about West Ham or how you are generally? Well, I'll start off with that very rude, it's very untimely um, Alexa uh, interruption. interruption. Um, yeah. I was literally opening my phone to turn on Do Not Disturb because it's mm. suddenly dawned on me. I was like, oh, just my luck. And um, and yeah, just typical that, um, that they. Literally, as you cut to me, it came on. But it's now on. Mm. Not do not disturb. Um, as very for disturbing, football, in fact. Yeah, yeah. As for the football, um, Wednesday night was just a shower, um, to put it to put it lightly, should I say? But I think Moyes is right, and I think performances do matter a lot less at this stage of the season, the situation that we're in. We've won two games of football out of the last three. I said last week, I, or a couple of weeks ago, I'd take five points out of the next three games. We've got six. So you've got to be pretty happy with it, but um, not, I don't know, I'm not, not entirely happy with with um, the situation, that, the, the, the morale around the football club, despite winning two, two important football matches. Everyone seems still to be very doom and gloom, where it's like, well, we're three points above the relegation zone with nine games left. We've still got a lot of football to play. Um, mm. And if we're now getting into the habit of winning games when playing badly, then I'm all for it at this stage. I don't really care. Um, I listened to the, the Fulham game on the radio um, and it sounded as bad as it actually was from judging mm. by the, um, the commentary. Uh, it sounded like it was all Fulham. We were very, very fortunate that um, Mitrovic wasn't on the pitch. They didn't have a natural finisher, and yeah, neither did we. We 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 didn't no, we didn't either, and we just managed to win it by our own goal. Which you know, two wins out of the last three games. One came from a set piece, and one came from an own goal. If that doesn't tell you all that needs to know about the situation that we're in, the performance, the the, the, the form that we're in, I don't know what does. But we're better off than we were this time last week, um, regardless of um, those two wins um, sandwiching an absolute thrashing at the hands of Newcastle on Wednesday night. Um, but that's all forgotten almost um, by the win at Fulham. So I, I don't, yeah. <clears throat> Look, I, you know, I, I'm not an advocate of, of Allardyce ball and Allardyce feelings and an Allardyce approach to football, i.e. the win is all that matters. I'm not. I hated that some of my worst years watching my stand play under Sam Allardyce in the yeah. Prem. Obviously, the championship year was was okay. Well, it was good. Um, I, I I honestly just think I, I find it a little bit odd to. I think now, right? You've certain, again, it is difficult, and we've got to be aware, haven't we, and wary of gauging all of our of the thoughts of the whole fan base on what we see on Twitter. Right? We have got to be wary of that. Um, I sent you a particularly funny tweet from a. A West Ham account, a West Ham fan account after the game, just like absolute delusion, just proper like vitriol about David Moyes, um, and I, I just, I just find it really baffling. Like, 
the okay, the the football hasn't been good this year, right? We appreciate that. But what we, when we've when we've won away from home, a team who's in the top half, and we've beaten Southampton at home. I know neither of them were pretty. I'm not saying that any of them were pretty. Um, but all we need at this stage of the season is really results, isn't it? Fans have written off the season, and I just find David Moyes is up against something. If any performance short of a 1970s Brazil-esque performance is going to be met with like vitriol, fury and anger from a select group of supporters, I understand that, um, then he's, always, he's never going to... He's never going to have any luck, is he? Newcastle was terrible. It was terrible. We played really well for portions of the game, but there were some also trademark uh, things that we did that made it just rubbish, wasn't there? Some So, like, typical, you know, one of the colleagues of mine just put same old crap. And and I, I get that. There were, there were elements of that game that you just go, what is going on here? This is really bad. I know people are calling to be sacked after that. Some people have already decided. And I think, to be fair, James, you said it on the podcast last week, which is quite interesting. Whatever happens, you don't think Moisey will be the manager at the end of the season. And some people don't want him to be the manager right now. I personally am still of the belief that I don't think a change is a good idea. One thing I do want to do is sort of draw your attention to this idea and I want want to gauge it from you shortly Jonesy what you feel about um this idea that David Moyes should be sacked now or shouldn't because I I still am of the belief and I think it's been seen from from those two results that we've had the two wins the Southampton and the Fulham game I know they weren't great but we did win the game and you still have to deliver a level of performance, whether it's, you know, a set piece. That you still have to do good things. You know, it wasn't an own goal from nothing. Jared Bowen did well, worked hard to get himself into a position to force that to happen. Same with the set piece the other week. I know it's not pretty. And the Newcastle game was really bad. But we did play well for portions of that game. And I don't honestly think that it was a 5-1 Game, but I, I just want to get your updated thoughts, I guess, quickly before we move on and look at that Fulham game and the Newcastle game in a bit more detail. I just want to get your thoughts on what you think about David Moyes and whether it's a good idea to sack him now or not. Because there are still fans. There was Moyes out banners in the away end, you know, fuming fans after saying he didn't clap them. Frankly, yeah, if if he's being shouted, you don't know what you're doing by his own fans and seeing Moyes out banners in the away end. I can understand why he didn't feel, um, why he didn't feel, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I can understand and surely everyone of a sane mind can understand why he wouldn't like salute the fans or clap the fans if there's Moyes out banners and chance if you don't know what you're doing. I, I, I don't blame him for not clapping them, um, regardless of whether you think they're right or not to to have those banners and chant those those things. Like, yeah, you're not going to clap people that are shouting abuse at you, are you? Um, from a uh, from a point of view of do we sack, still sack him now? Then 
It's a difficult one. Like I, I criticised Leicester for getting rid of Rodgers as late in the season as they did. They've now ended up with Dean Smith, John Terry and uh, Craig Shakespeare trio to try and keep them in the Premier League, which let's have it right. If that, those three rocked up at West Ham after Moyes being sacked, I don't think there'd be a great deal of optimism. Um, mm. And is that is that a sign of, well, that's just the landscape of available managers at the moment? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've said previously that I would I would take Graham Potter in a heartbeat. He's seemingly said um, hinted that he he doesn't want to take another job until the summer. Yeah. So that's one manager that isn't available right now. So do do you make a sacking and then kind of just roll the dice? I mean, I've, I've seen more reports of Rafa. Not a short term deal, is it? <clears throat> no, it's like I just don't. What's he going to do? He's going like, to get us one nil wins as well, isn't he? Exactly. It's but, like you, you, you almost, it's almost like a light for light change, which we're used to anyway with Moyes' substitutions. So it's like, well, what's the point? We might as well just stick with him. We are where we are because of him. Let's see if he can get us out of it. He saved us from relegation twice before. Can he do it? You know, can he make it a, a hat trick and then kind of wave him off and say, thanks very much for the memories, Dave, but you know, your time's up. And that's what's going to happen in the season. I said it last last week if we go and win the conference league and stay in the Premier League I don't think that keeps his job I don't think it's going to be enough Um, I think the the minds have been made up not just on the fan base but at the club as well Um, Mm. so yeah I I think it would be a mistake to sack him now Mm. Um, but it it doesn't take away from the fact that he he has to and will go at the end of the season I can't see any scenario where he stays which is mental when you consider that one of those scenarios is him winning our first trophy since 1980. Mm. And it would still lead to him losing his job. But that's the situation we're in. Um, and I don't see it changing. I really don't. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I'm sort of not sure where I sit on it already anymore. I, if we win the Conference League, I think that's the only thing that... Oh, I'm not sure, mate. I, I don't think it's a given. Honestly, if we win the Conference League, if he win the Conference League, I think he stays, quite honestly. I'm not saying necessarily that's what I want. I, I, the only reason that I don't particularly want him to stay, I think, is because of the of the sort of attitude of a lot of fans now. I think I just think whether or not it's my view or not, I think when the majority of fans want you out, I just don't think that creates for much of a positive atmosphere around the club. Do you know what I mean? I sort of think you had the same thing with Conte at Tottenham. You you almost get a sense of when someone's time's up before it is. And it's hard to repair. Sort of lots of relationships are irreparable, aren't they? And it just feels a bit now like it's got to that stage of awkwardness. But if we win the Conference League and actually have a little bit of a run and finish 12th, I wouldn't be surprised. Put it this way. this isn't. I'm saying this is what I want, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see David Moyes leading us out first game of next season? I, I, it comes down, for me, it comes down to tactics and style of football. I think we've we've realised this season um, that the way that he wants to play um, tactically, stylistically, is not up to scratch when it comes to the, the way that the modern game has been played. But it was last season, the season before. I don't understand why it just isn't all of a sudden this year. Well, I think I think last year we also rode the rode the wave of um, players high on confidence. 
I think we spent a lot of money in the summer bringing in uh, a lot of very, very good players that didn't suit the system, which has ultimately mm. exposed out-of-form players. You know, yeah. Thomas Suchek was never, ever going to continue to be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League for three years running. One and yeah. a half seasons was just as much as he could handle. And yeah, um, he gets in every week. Yeah, J- Jared Bowen, our top scorer this season, by the way, with 10 goals, but it's been a shadow of his former self. Mm. Um, like there are so Kufa many players, not the same, is he? Yeah, exactly. So many players in the squad at the moment that have, been, have are out of form, out of confidence, which has exposed us. You know, we were really white, like riding a, a wave of positivity and good form from individuals, which allowed then the team to, to excel the way the way in which it did over the last two years. That's been exposed this mm. year because uh, effectively the players that we did sign. Um, yeah, great players, very good players, but don't fit the, the style and the system exactly how Moyes wants. Paquetta doesn't suit a David Moyes style of play. Skamaka doesn't suit a, a David Moyes style of play, and that's exposed us even further. And I think that's that's the problem. You spend all that money on players that don't suit your system, you mm. can't adapt. Um, and that's led to where we are now. I think that's why I think he goes regardless because the club have wasted a lot of money on players that clearly are going to be continue to be a waste of money unless a manager comes in and knows how to use them properly. Yeah. And yeah. the only way to do that is by making a change. Otherwise, they're going to have to cut the losses. We're not going to get 50 million quid back for Piquetta in the summer if he goes. We won't get, <laughs> was it, 30 million quid for Skamaka if he goes. Million, yeah. It's again, it's again like more wasted money at a time yeah. when, you know, we, we should be doing a lot better and like those players could really help us fire us into Europe, but they're not. And you feel that a a David Moyes like change would be you think I mean there's this rumours come out in the last week that Skamaka's saying he's not gonna stay unless Moyes does. I don't even know if he's been fit enough to play for most of the season. Or he just seems another one who, who wasn't quite right for the system. So your opinion then, just quickly, Jones, before we move on, I know a bit pressed for time today, is that to get the best out of those players and to give them a chance of staying, Moyes needs to go at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he's got yeah, to go. Fair he's enough. got to go. We've got, we've got to follow the Brighton or Brentford model and go for someone a little bit younger, a little bit more modern, someone a little bit more adaptable. Mm. Yeah, no, I... I I think it would be a chance. I, I, yeah, I just hope that we can win the Conference League and it goes out on a nice note rather than a negative one. But yeah. I, I just don't know. I just don't know how that looks if he wins the Conference League and then and then goes. I'm not sure. But look, interesting one. I'm just interested, James. You had a message in the week and it actually come in the middle of March from Mickey Smith to the podcast account on Instagram. Just a reminder, we've had, by the way, we've had loads of interaction uh, with listeners this week. Jonesy, on the emails, on the Insta, on the Twitter, um, we've launched a new uh, feature, which we'll talk about a little bit later, where we want you to all get in touch with uh, some voice notes. We're going to do like a post-match reaction sort of thing. We all uh, launched it last week. Um, It was a little bit of a rush, but uh, we got some interaction after the Fulham game, and we hope, uh, more of you get involved on those going forward. Uh, but one message I did get this week, Jonesy, this is on uh, the We Are West Ham Pod Instagram account. This is from the middle of March and I'd missed it and I only I read it um, sort of last few days, whatever, and I had a, uh, an exchange with Mickey. Just listening to your latest podcast, I've got to say, you're deluded on so much you say. Um, our performances 
How have our performance been, been good to the point you think our lead position is not a reflection on them? We've been terrible. Uh, you also said you think most West Ham fans feel the same as you in that the Conference League is where our happiness lies for this season. Um, uh, I don't think you're picking up on the general mood of fans. Regarding your feelings of not worrying at the moment about results, it's because Moyes has numbed us because we know what to expect with formation, player, picks and tactics. The passion has been drained by this man and this board. I used to, <laughs> I used to like this podcast, but it's not an honest view. Your, opin your opinions, maybe, but put your opinions with the reality. Well, first of all, you know, I did go back and, and forward. Mickey, I invited him to come on the podcast and have a chat or drop a voice note in. Uh, hoping he'll do that at some point. But first of all, I don't, neither of us, I don't think. I get the impression it was more aimed at me. Uh, Jonesy, I think I've probably been saying that a little bit more than you, maybe. But I don't try and align my views with other West Ham fans. Um, I come on here and I say what I think. I gauge my views on other West Ham fans from a little bit on Twitter, but I try not to do that so much because, of course, no one who's sort of fairly middle of the road tweets to say that they're middle of the road, do they? You only see extreme views one way or the other on Twitter. That's the nature of it. Um, and and, you know, West Ham fans that I talk to, they were just normal parts of my life. I, I, what, what are your thoughts on the point about the Conference League? Because what are we really going to do in the Premier League this year? I'm, I'm saying for the rest of the season, if we finish where we do, if we survive and we finish OK and then we win the Conference League, that's sort of our only chance of anything positive. Because it's not like we're going to win the rest of our games and finish in a European place in the Premier League, is it? So surely the only positive left to be had from this season is the Conference League? Well, unless you want an open-top bus parade around East London, around Stratford for 12th place, then, mm. yeah. Like, of course, you got, of course that's all we've got to play for. Play for. Yeah, OK, we're also playing for our Premier League survival. But, mm. like, that's not a trophy. That's not silverware. Yeah. You don't put that in your you don't put that in your cabinet. Our cabinet would be full, to be fair. You get, you got a trophy for surviving relegation. <laughs> Just but, yeah, um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, it's like this is what we've craved. We we crave silverware. We haven't had one since nineteen eighty. We've not had one in Europe mm. since the sixties. So, but what I don't understand the, the point there, but it's like that if if we're not that excited about winning a, a, a European trophy, let alone a trophy, then like what can you get excited about? Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I don't. I'm bored to death of all this. Oh, yeah, but it's a Mickey Mouse competition. It's like, well, yeah, well, you wanted to finish seventh this season to qualify for the very competition that sounds Mickey Mouse. Mm. So, yeah. like, what is it that you actually want? So, yeah, like, I'm buzzing. I hope we win it. Um, I'm really, I really hope we win it. And I know that there are a lot of West Ham fans out there as well that feel the same. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I quite agree. But uh, it was a good exchange, I'd say, with, with Mickey there. Obviously, we read out a few of the message. I went backward and forward with him a couple of times. Um, and we want a few more of you to do that. We had a, a few decent emails, which we'll try and get to at the end of the podcast if we've got time. Roger Ribeiro uh, got in touch. David Ogle, John uh, Gebers in the, uh, all from the States and Canada, actually, in response to that conversation me and Jonesy had. Um, about the streaming rights from the Premier League, which is off the back of Ian Knight's email the week before. That's wearewestlandpod at gmail.com. If you want to drop us an email, we, you can get us on Twitter at we are underscore at we are underscore West Ham. 
I'm at William Pugh underscore James is at by James Jones. We're on Instagram as well, as I mentioned, at We Are West End Pod. And go and subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see a few clips. We've got two opposition views this week. Both of those will be uploaded by Jonesy as well as some of the best bits from this show week in, week out. Uh, yeah, really enjoy the reaction. And we hope, as you see, if you do follow us on social media already, we'll be pushing the old um, voice note reaction. We're going to try and get a bonus episode of that out every week if we get enough content, of course, from you guys. I think a few of you are a bit shy week one, uh, but we appreciate those of you who did get in touch. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to hear from you this week after the European game, Thursday away at Ghent, and then the home game against Arsenal in the Premier League. Jonesy will put a link to how you get in touch with us in the description to this pod, as well as our social media accounts. Jonesy, we've got two games of football to look back on. Newcastle, which we won't dwell on for too long because it's sort of old news and it was grim. And then, of course, the 1-0 win at Fulham on the weekend. We'll do all of that next before we'll speak to a Belgian sports journalist, uh, Stefan Smet, about the Ghent game in the Europa Conference League on Thursday. The first leg is away in Belgium of that quarterfinal uh, before the return leg at London Stadium. Then we'll speak to Sun Sport editor Dan Cutts, huge Arsenal fan, of course, is a returning guest on the show, head of the game at London Stadium against the Gooners on Sunday in the Premier League. Lots on this week's show. Stay with us because we'll look back to the Fulham and Newcastle games next. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Jonesy, I don't know. Have you got anything to say on the Newcastle podcast? I did suggest to you straight after the game that we do a reaction one. And you just said, no, wait till Monday because it could all change after the game at Fulham. How right you were. But just just briefly then, Newcastle. I mean, it was terrible. It wasn't good. If it was a weekend game and we hadn't had an away victory in between, this podcast would have a whole different tone to it, of course, wouldn't it? Um, but just give me your thoughts briefly on on Newcastle. If there's anything particular you want to pick up on? Well, it, we started really well. That you know, Bowen bombing down the right hand side, hitting the post, and it was like it was like the first ninety seconds, and it was like well, here we go. Like this, this, this could be pretty good. And then within 15 minutes, we're 2 down. And uh, my brother left at that point. He was home in time just to watch. That was uh, funny. That did make me laugh. Um, he, he literally got home, turned the TV on, um, just as it went 3-1. Um, but even at the end of the first half, we got a goal back. Zuma 
in at the back post. And we thought, we thought yeah, no, we're looking good here. You know, if we can keep that momentum at the beginning of the second half, you know, we've got a real good chance here of taking something. And then individual errors in the second half, just, just yeah, and they're in their errors that we don't make to last season. Lucas Fabianski twice, like pretty infallible for us. We don't make those errors, um, and for some reason this year we've decided that yeah, go on, let's just make a couple of errors that lead to goals and ruin our chances of getting points when they matter most, and that. That they make the, the the overall performance seem really really terrible when actually five one on paper looks looks woeful it looks really really poor but mm. I thought for sixty percent of the performance sixty five percent of the performance wasn't actually terrible it wasn't no, no. it wasn't calamitous it like the first half in particular I thought we were, yeah okay we were two 0 down um, I didn't think we we particularly deserved to be two 0 down we could have been two 0 up. Um, should have been, way... isn't it? Really, could have, should, should have, have been. You know. Um, and you know, and then Newcastle in the form that they're in, they know how to, they know how to, the, to punish you. They know how to get back into games. They know how to put games to bed. We saw that even the weekend against Brentford. I mean, I know a fortunate couple of VAR decisions went their way. Um, but they were one 0 down. Could have been three 0 down against Brentford. End up winning three one. Um, like they know how to kill games off, even if they're behind. So. We had to really make those chances count in those early stages. Didn't they made their chart their chances count? And by then it's a it's a manic decline. But um it just I walked away from there going, Well, that was just that was just the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. But on reflection, mm. like most of it actually wasn't. It was actually quite encouraging at times. Like they actually look, look, look they actually want to win a football match. They're trying. Mm. Um and then yeah, it just if we weren't playing Newcastle, it may have ended up a little bit differently, but you know, it's just mm. one of those things, but um, that's all I really got to say on that is that, yeah, it was a terrible result, quite embarrassing, but it wasn't, it wasn't the perform the overall performance that that led to the defeat. It was individual errors at key moments in games. Mm. Which and look, I, I'm sort of becoming a bit aware that I'm sort of in an ever in an ever decreasing club of Moyes apologists and I am aware of that I'm aware that you know my default is on the defense of Moyes and I am also aware that's because of what's come before in a large part but I also don't think still I'll still stand by it and I know this is what Mickey was talking about when he messaged me I mean it's been bad this season but I genuinely think if we finish 12th that's about how bad it's been I don't. I think with some of the luck and some of the injury problems as well. And I think it was a good example of that against Newcastle. We start really well, should score. Sloppy defending means they're 1-0 up after five minutes or whatever it was. And then Lucas Fabianski, being one of our most reliable servants for the past however many years it's been, makes two majorly out-of-character mistakes. Um, Aguerd as well, obviously. Zuma for, you know, just frustrating. Um and I, I don't know. And then, you know, you obviously, understandably, afterwards, the vitriol comes out on Twitter against Moyes because fans are already in a bad mood and 5-1's not a good, um, good scoreline, is it? Um, but I just think, how do you mitigate for that? How does he mitigate for Lucas Fabianski, Mr. Reliable, pretty much, making two howlers like that? Now, if Aguero's been good since he's come in, 
you know, I just, I don't know. I, I just sort of think, is anyone, any danger of anyone having a go at the players <laughs> ever? Well, Do you know what I mean? That, You're not allowed to have that, a go at Ben Rama. You're not allowed to have a pop at the, and, and of Suchek's getting a bit of flack, which he totally deserves. Like, I understand there's an element and it's the manager's job to keep the players up. But you know what I mean? Like any danger of pointing the finger elsewhere. It's just a little bit tedious, I think. 100%. I mean, it's the manager's responsibility to get the f- players fired up and playing in the right system. Definitely, uh, of course. Preparing is, yeah. them for the right game and, and, and for the right tactics, depending on the opposition you're playing. Mm. Um, but the manager, doesn't matter who you are. You could be Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, you could be anyone. Um, and you can't mitigate for individual errors in the manner of which that we saw on Wednesday night against Newcastle. They're just lapses of concentration. They're just doing stupid things. Um, and that's not down to the manager, but it's, the players have to take responsibility. Um, and oh, crying out loud. And um, yeah, I just don't see how the players. I don't think the players have got have got off lightly this season, though. I genuinely don't. Oh, I think mate. I think there's been a Compared lot of to what Moises got. a lot of question. Of course, yeah, but there's been a lot of question marks over a lot of players throughout the season. Um. But yeah, they haven't. It hasn't been quite on the same level as David Moyes. But that's just the nature, isn't it? David Moyes is the manager. He's the one. He's the one in the firing line most weeks because he's the manager. He's yeah. the one setting the team up every week, picking the team, yeah. the players out there, and making them the same do, old subs, where to yeah. stand. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that's it's quite right that he gets probably more to stick than than the players. But on Wednesday night, the players have to take just as much responsibility as David Moyes. Now I tweeted after the game, has he been sacked yet? Um, mm. because I genuinely believed how do you, you don't survive that. Um, and if you don't survive that, then it's 90% David Moyes' fault for, for us being in that situation, but also 10% the players' fault for, for not... Leaving it out, mate. For not, or maybe a little bit more, I don't know. Um, but they, they would, the players would have been at fault had they decided to pull the trigger um, on Wednesday night, purely mm. based on the fact that they needed to show responsibility and show accountability during those 90 minutes, and they have to in every single game, regardless whether they agree with the manager's tactics or not. And Mm. they didn't on Wednesday. They didn't. They didn't show responsibility. They didn't stand up. And that's what led to the embarrassing scoreline that it was. Yeah, no, I quite agree, mate. I quite agree. Uh, Yeah, it just annoys me. I'm not saying, you know, I I genuinely think Moyes is... He's got lots to answer to. I'm the same as everyone else. It's so predictable. You know, he did the stubs, didn't he? Against Newcastle, I think it was three or four at once, was it? You think, oh, hang on a minute. Like four of them lining up. Brilliant. Four like for like. It's like, that's already not working. Like what you did. Yeah. Um, so no, I, do, I do think there's there's room for him. I just think the, the scale of what, like, who's getting the most flack at the moment after Newcastle game. It's all Moyes, Moyes, Moyes this, Moyes that. And they say, yeah, fair enough. I understand that, but you know, let's have a let's have a little look at at some of the others, shall we? I'm surprised there wasn't like, loads of calls for Fair Fabianski to be dropped for Ariola. I think it's time for that change now. Um, you know, Zuma, he's been a sh- another one who's been a shadow of his former self. I know he scored, but that sort of levelled his, um, you know, levelled himself up just watching Callum Wilson head in. For the opener, just lots of things that just annoy me. I think the players need to have a look at themselves a little bit as well. But bounce back with a one after the Newcastle game, I mean, and then they bounce back with a one nil win away at Fulham. Jonesy again, all right, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, we didn't, 
we sort of took advantage or were benefited from the fact that Mitrovic wasn't playing. But you can only beat what's in front of you. That's exactly what we did. Uh, Jared Bowen sort of forces the own goal with a little bit more attacking play down that wing, putting the pressure on. You've said it, haven't you, that um, he's sort of slowly coming into himself this season, Jared Bowen, and he's our top scorer. Uh, you cut, Not a nice watch, not a good watch again. <laughs> Hardly a classic. But three points, you do still need to show a level of grit and determination and effort and whatever to win a Premier League football game. Don't you? We've done that twice in the last, you know, 12 days or whatever it's been. So for all the grief they got, you'd think there'd be a little bit of a little bit of a doth of the cap as well, wouldn't you, afterwards? But it wasn't didn't seem to be the case. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be the case. I, I think there's a lot to be said for going to or winning football matches when you're not playing well. Um, yeah. That's all like, we've got at the moment. Like, yeah, and he's exactly it. That's all we've got. Like if we can if we can grind out one nil wins for the next nine matches mm. and play the exact same way as we've been playing recently, then I'll be very, very happy. Mm. Um you'll take it at this stage of the season without it's hundred percent, hundred percent. Like we said it on the on the a couple of couple of um listeners said it on the voice notes thing we did over the weekend that you know it's it's Performances uh, is points over performances at this stage, like and yeah, if we can just grind out little one nil wins and not play well and soak up pressure and keep clean sheets and just stay strong defensively and then catch teams on the counter or get a little <clears> bit lucky with an own goal or nick a goal from a set piece, then so be it. Don't care at this stage, mm. um, and we did that very well against Fulham on Sunday on Saturday, like. Judging by the commentary, I think by the stats as well, like Fulham had like 75% possession. Like, mm. I, I, I can't believe I'm living in a world where we've allowed Fulham to have Fulham to have 20, uh, 75% possession over us. But that's the situation that we're in. Like, we should be season being dominated last season, by Fulham. We, we, yeah, but we didn't dominate possession last season. And we were am, well, no, amazing then. No, but, we? but I mean, yeah, but I mean, 75% possession is just a little bit too much for my liking. But at the same 77 time. 77 it was. <laughs> Was it seventy-seven? Even worse. Yeah, yeah. But like, but we like more we shots on we managed to win a football match. Yeah, we, we managed yeah, to win a football match. Um, it's one of those games where it kind of all works out. For, it all works out for you. I mean, we we're very fortunate that they didn't have they, they didn't have Mitrovic for the second time we played them this season. Yeah. Um, he seems like they're the only power that can score goals for him. Um. So like, I've got no complaints with it really. Yeah, the performance wasn't great. We barely kicked a ball all afternoon but the ball we did kick come off one of their players and winning the goal and that's that's the one that counts it's the three points that we get with three points above the bottom mm. three like I don't know like you won't find me complaining about that like, I'm not going to complain about the result yeah. people will complain about the performance all they like but the fact is the result was still positive like that's exactly. why we, that's what the players on the pitch to do is to get positive results they've got it the way they got it is a little bit questionable, but who cares? Yep. Who cares? Exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, listen, Jonesy, the win. Um, we're now 14th in the Premier League as of Tuesday. 29 games played to everyone else in the bottom half's 30. Obviously, that game is against Man City. So you can kind of discount that. But on 30 points, three points above the relegation zone. Our goal difference looks considerably better at the moment. Obviously, we have got that Man City game coming up. So you hope that we just limit our um limit our goal difference deficit 
basically after the end of that game. We're not saying we're completely safe already, but I think there's other teams trending downwards more than we are. And the amount of teams and the sorry, the amount of points required from the amount of teams who'd be required to get them beneath us. I just think there's too much still. I don't think we're going down. I don't think it's going to be spectacular, but I think we'll do enough um, to stay up and stay within that 12th to 14th bracket. Nothing spectacular, of course. But first things first, we've got Ghent away in the Europa League, Europa Conference League quarterfinal on Thursday. We'll speak to Stefan Smet next up. Belgian sports journalist. Um, we'll speak to him next ahead of that quarterfinal first leg, which is away on Thursday night, quarter to six kickoff UK time. Then we'll have Sun Sport editor and huge gooner Dan Cuts on to chat West Ham v Arsenal Sunday afternoon at two o'clock at London Stadium in the Premier League. All of that coming up next for some final thoughts from me and Jonesy. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So I'm delighted to say joining us for the very first time on the We Are West Ham podcast is Stefan Smet, sports journalist from Het Nieuwsblad in Belgium, one of the biggest sports newspapers and websites in the country, covers KAA Ghent, West Ham's Europa Conference League opponents in the quarterfinals. It starts Thursday night in Belgium with the away leg Thursday, uh, quarter to six kickoff. England time. Stefan, it's great to have you with us on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks very much me. for joining us uh, here at We Are West Ham. West Ham v Ghent in the Conference League, like I've mentioned, Thursday, the quarterfinal. The West Ham have got a little bit of experience over the past couple of seasons against Belgian sides. We played Genk home and away in the group stage of the Europa League last season and performed pretty well in both of those games. Got a draw away, one at home. Uh, and then, of course, um, played Anderlecht uh, earlier this season. Ghent doing OK at the moment. Fourth in the league domestically. They beat Istanbul, Basak, Shahir 5-2 on aggregate to reach the quarterfinals in the first place. Uh, what, what's the feeling around uh, Ghent at the moment and how they're performing? Yeah, like you said, they are performing yeah, excellent um, in the domestic league. They are, yeah, making making the impossible hap uh, happening at this time because normally you, you should have expect that they would uh, play in fifth, sixth uh, in the league, but uh, yeah, now they are, uh, yeah, at this moment they are at least uh, playing on the fourth uh, in the ranking and yeah they are beating club brugge at this time uh, for qualifying for the champions playoffs and that would uh, be a very big surprise because like you know uh, club brugge is uh, one of the bigger clubs in belgium uh, a couple of times champions in a row and had a tremendous uh, campaign in the champions league this season so the fact that ghent is at this moment 
um, yeah, in front of Brun is already a, a big thing here in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as you mentioned, uh, I think the um, your pronunciation of that's far better than mine and all of my uh, English <laughs> compatriots, by the way, who I think would uh, recognise them as Club Bruges, but we would certainly go with yours. <laughs> the, the club that um, Scott Parker was managing for a while, that's how most of our listeners will know, former West Ham midfielder, of course, uh, manager of former manager of Fulham and uh, Bournemouth in the Premier League, was with uh, yeah. Yeah, Bruges for a little while, but he did, didn't do overly well, did he? And um, he was he was soon, no, it was, uh, uh, soon fired, yeah. yeah it, to put it mild, it was a disaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, yeah, he was a big name when he was signed uh, by, by Bruges. Um, but, but you, you can't ignore the fact that he was totally unknown with the league. Um, he, he was really looking and, and searching for solutions. But um, yeah, it was a total miscast. So uh, he, he was fired uh, rather quickly. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, let, let's focus on uh, Ghent then, as we mentioned. So, you're you're suggesting there that fourth in in the domestic league at the moment is a an all overall positive uh, performance from from them. Looking ahead to the game, what's the sense among Ghent supporters and and those in and around the club, and and your opinion? What's the what's the feeling around the game of, against West Ham? Are they confident or is there, you know, a little bit of uh, trepidation? Yeah. Everybody is really very exciting for this game, of course, because it's only the second time in the history of the club that they are reaching a quarter final in European competition. So for them, it's a big thing. Um, and especially to play a team from the Premier League. And uh, it's always something special for a Belgian side. Uh, perhaps you know they uh, have uh, beaten Tottenham only a couple of years ago in the Europa League. So, um, of course, they are in silence dreaming of a new uh, uh, super stunt. Um, but they, they realize that it's, it's, of course, very difficult for a Belgian team to, uh, to beat an English side. So mm. they are very uh, realistic in their expectations. But um, yeah, it's football. In a game, everything can happen, even in a uh, in away, in home and away uh, uh, competition. So you never know what's uh, possible. Yeah, no, that's quite right. Quite right. So before we get into the sort of style of the game and, and what sort of tactics Ghent are expecting, before we do that, for I think there's about between 1,000 and 1,200 West Ham uh, tickets have been sold for the away end. For those listeners to our podcast and West Ham fans generally coming over to Belgium for this game, like I said, obviously uh, we've got experience of, of coming to Belgian games over the last couple of seasons. But what uh, what should fans expect from Ghent, the stadium, the supporters, the surrounding area, that sort of thing? Yeah, well, the stadium is the most modern one in Belgium. It's only right. built in 2013, it was finished in 2013, so only 10 years ago. Um, so the stadium will be, yeah, it's sold out, so it will be a nice atmosphere. Um, and and the game, yeah, I think Kent with uh, Hen van Haasbroek, the coach, they, they will try to play their own game. Uh, it's not a team that will 
of course, they will find little things to adapt to the system. Um, but uh, the, the main uh, elements of their tactic will be the same as usual. So they will try to attack. Uh, they have also a team that is very strong in the uh, offensive components. So they're um, uh, yeah, really dangerous with some uh, very uh, skilled uh, strikers like Purokerpus and uh, Gift Orban, who only joined the team a couple of weeks ago. So um, he's he's the big phenomenon in, in, in the Belgian competition for this time. What's his name, sorry? Gift Orban. It's a Nigerian oh, yeah. player who used to play in Norway and he only uh, signed in Ghent uh, end of January. Uh, but now he's already... Yeah, the next big thing for Belgian football. So he's, uh, like you said, it's a hype here in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, how what, what's the capacity of Ghent Stadium? How many fans yeah, does it hold? Yeah, yeah, the stadium has a capacity of twenty thousand seats. Right. Um, so it will be sold out. So it will be. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very compact stadium. So uh, everybody is uh, yeah, enjoying the game for sure. That's uh, no doubt about that. Yeah, what's what what sort of a what sort of an atmosphere can fans expect? Are Ghent fans uh, some of the more vocal, passionate fans in Belgium, or what's their reputation yeah, like? Passionate. Yeah, um, don't expect uh, a southern American uh, style uh, <laughs> atmosphere or stuff like that. No, um, but they are quite passionate, and they. Um, if, if especially for European games, uh, everybody is uh, hyped and and they will be uh, supporting their team from uh, uh, the kickoff till just until the end. So it will not be a quiet night in Ghent. So obviously, it promises to be a an exciting occasion on Thursday night. Stefan West Ham hoping to reach their second European semi-final in two seasons. As far as style, formation, tactics go, uh, what can you tell us about uh, Ghent's manager, first of all? Who is it? What, what's their style? Uh, and how do you expect Ghent to approach the game tactically or what formation, that sort of thing? Well, it's not that difficult uh, <laughs> uh, when you have to uh, prepare a game of Ghent because they almost play in the same uh, formation. It's with a uh, back three, central defense with uh, three guys, uh, really strong uh, physically, but uh, also uh, good of uh, uh, football quality, like uh, the German uh, defender, Jordan Torrenariga, who uh, came, who signed last year from uh, Berlin, Hertha Berlin. Um, he is really a very gifted player. Uh, the, on the other hand, We've got uh, Kamil uh, Piatkowski, who is on loan from uh, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, Polish guy with also a lot of uh, offensive uh, intentions. Um, so it all starts there with the back three, with now uh, Joseph Okumu uh, in the central position. It's a Kenyan uh, defender who's already uh, two years, uh, about two years in Ghent. Uh, but now he's the, the central, uh, yes, now the central position after the departure of Michael Engadeu, because you must not forget that one of their key players only left uh, two weeks ago to China. Uh, Michael Engadeu, a very experienced uh, Cameroon uh, defender who uh, 
uh, also was part of the national team for quite some, quite some time. Uh, he, he left for China, so that was a big blow to Ghent's uh, plans for uh, yeah quarterfinal and conference league, but also here domestic in, uh, in Belgium. But it seems that they have managed to find uh, yeah, some um, uh, solution rather quickly um, because last uh, Friday um, they, they played, uh, last Saturday of course, they, they played very well uh, against Union, uh, one of the best teams in Belgium, perhaps the best team uh, at the moment. And yeah, they were defensively really strong. Um, so on that uh, position, they are uh, well balanced. And then you've got um, most of all a four-man uh, uh, midfield with uh, two wingbacks who are really running for their lives uh, all the time. So they they really try to get. Uh, the possession of the ball to dominate the, the opponent and then um, play very offensive. Uh, they don't wait for uh, that one opportunity. That's not their style. They're always trying to be in possession, to be um, yeah, looking for the solution. Sometimes they're really, uh, uh, yeah, they, they really have uh, the patience to uh, yeah, really look for that one uh, moment, but uh, they don't uh, throw back and uh, wait for that one uh, one attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, it's, it's interesting, really, because obviously with West Ham not playing well this season, Europe's been a bit of a um, almost a bit of a respite from from what's been a grim Premier League campaign. Um, yeah. team, teams that sit back against us. We, we tend to do well against teams uh, that we're expected to be, particularly at home. How do you think they'll approach the tie over two legs, Stefan? Do you think they'll try and capitalise on being at home and attack West Ham and try and get a lead and then sit back at the London Stadium? Or do you think it will just be gung-ho and give it all they've got both legs? Yeah, I don't think the game will decide it uh, after the the lack of uh, Thursday. Um, so um, you, you can't expect again to um, to to make it uh, a three zero or four zero and then uh, consider it uh, all well done. Um, they they realize they are not in favor to play at home uh, in the first leg. Um, but I think they they will try to get a good uh, position for the for the away game, and uh, it's it's of course uh, essential to to avoid uh, a big loss. Uh, so everything can be possible in London. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, Stefan, it's been brilliant having you on for the very first time of the We Are West Ham podcast. So look ahead to that Europa Conference League quarterfinal Thursday night, West Ham away at Ghent. First leg, just before we let you go, though, what's the score prediction for the first leg go? Or what's your score prediction for the first leg on Thursday in Belgium? I'm very bad at this. <laughs> um, well, to keep it, uh, yeah. Guys, um, a 2-1 victory for Ghent. 2-1 victory for Ghent. That will certainly set up an exciting second leg. We're obviously hopeful that West Ham 
come good and continue our good European form from the season. But that was Stefan Smet, their journalist for Belgian sports newspaper and website, Het News, Blad, one of the biggest in the country, the Ghent correspondent. Stefan, we really appreciate you having you on. Uh, or coming on the show, giving us your time for the first time ever on the We Are West Ham podcast. Stay with us because we'll have another opposition view looking ahead to the Arsenal game with Sunsport editor and huge gooner Dan Cutts next. So I'm delighted to say joining us once again on the We Are West Ham podcast is Sunsport editor Dan Cutts, huge gooner, of course, returning guest, friend of the show, friend of mine, all round good bloke. Cutsy, great to have you back on the We Are West Ham podcast once again. I spoke to you earlier in the season and with a, I'll be honest, if I look back with a sort of very unbecoming, sarcastic smile on my face do you really think you're going to win the league quite patronizing quite condescending all of the traits that you've come to expect from a conversation with Will Pugh um Arsenal now after 30 games played still sit top of the Premier League 73 points six points clear of Manchester City albeit having played a game more and you said to me earlier in the season you said well What's the point of being a football fan if we can't dream? And I thought, yeah, fair enough, Cutsy. That is a good answer. You're, it's a ridiculous dream. You're not going to win the league, but good answer. Um, yeah. yeah, sort of egg on my face. How do you feel now? Uh, well, vindicated for saying that at the time, <laughs> slightly. Um, yeah, we, I mean, when I said that, obviously I didn't in our, my sort of wildest dreams really actually believe it. But no. like you say, you, you like I said at the time, like if there's no point being a football fan if you can't dream of these things. And it, it, we get to nine games out, and now it's actually <laughs> crunch time. And I was speaking to my mate after the game against Liverpool on Sunday, and I, and which was absolute agony, by the way, for the full ninety minutes. And I don't think I've enjoyed a single game in the last fifteen games. Just <laughs> well, because, that's what's funny, yeah. <laughs> because it's just it's. On it, like the the repercussions of every result are so terrifying. But yeah. I um I said I just I just said to him it was just like I I preferred it when we were mid table because <laughs> you just there's no care in the world you can just go and enjoy the game and then you come away from it and you've got no expectations. Now it's like now it's at crunch time and every game means so means something and it's, it's all agony. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> like I imagine. You probably feel the same being a West Ham fan as well, because at the minute you're obviously where you are. And well, every, every game is horrible. Some... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but for, for a different reason. But yeah, when when you're fighting the, for these different things, obviously you're in a, a lot worse position than we are, but it, it's still the same feeling, the agony you have to go through. But at least when you're sort of sitting there comfortably in sort of seven, six, seven, eighth, yeah you've got nothing to play for at the minute it's just horrendous i don't really know what to do with myself to be honest with you it must be delightful <laughs> being a fulham fan at the moment isn't it 10th mm. in the league 39 yeah. points definitely safe not getting into europe it's just like oh we can just go and yeah. enjoy a few home games in the sun for the rest of the season exactly. who cares what the result is a few beers and then then away you go like the rest yeah. of the weekend there's no agony over the weekend <laughs> won't, yeah. ruin, won't ruin it at all but yeah at the minute, no, well, for... you're in that situation as well now, aren't you? Where 
it's not only you you sit and watch the Arsenal game, I imagine, with your head in your hands and just watching mm. it through your fingers or from the back of the sofa or whatever. Yeah. And then you're watching the Manchester City game even yeah. before or after. You've got 180 minutes of agony every weekend, oh, haven't you? Honestly, it's the, it's the hope that kills you as well, Will, when Southampton <laughs> are holding on after half an hour and you're thinking, oh, they've had a couple of chances, they've had a couple of chances, and then <laughs> the inevitable Harlan goals come along and you think, oh, God, now we've got to go to Liverpool and get a result. And, and uh, to be fair to us, we... I thought we were blinding on Sunday. I thought they were brilliant as well. I just thought it was a brilliant game of football. But the agony week in, week out of having to watch us win and then them win or us draw and then them win and then back and forth, it's going to be a brilliant title race. Um, it's going to be quite exciting for everyone to watch, apart from me, obviously, and it's, the rest of the Arsenal fans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, mate. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. You know, you talk about inevitable there and inevitable goals. We'll talk about West Ham v Arsenal in a minute. Um, but sort of the title race as a whole, I mean, that that game, 26th of April, going away to Manchester City yeah. is absolutely mammoth, isn't it? Really? I mean, yeah. with your... And let's be honest, if Man City win their game in hand, which you'll be delighted to hear is against us. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, then they're level on on points. Sorry, then there'll be three points behind you, of course, but having played the same yeah. games and still having Arsenal to come at home. I would argue it's fair to say Manchester City fans at the moment probably consider themselves to be in the stronger position, given that their goal difference is better than yours. But yeah. you're sitting there, you've got points in the bank already. Your next two fixtures before that game are West Ham United away and Southampton at home before you go to, to City, the, those, you know, let's be honest, those new, most neutral fans around the country will have given you six points for those two already. I'm about to, when we go into it in a bit more detail, Southampton somehow are even worse than us. And then you host Chelsea, uh, go to yeah. Arsenal, Brighton visit the Emirates, then you go to the Forest Walls at home on the last game of the season. Really... You know, especially with the way Chelsea are playing, that trip to Newcastle is going to be difficult. Where do you see, like, you know, points target? You've got eight games left. What do you see Arsenal achieving points-wise, realistically? And and honestly, in your heart of hearts now, do you think you're going to do it? Will it be enough? It's, I mean, it's a brilliant end to the season, isn't it? Like, every... The relegation battle's up for grabs. Europe's up for grabs for everyone. Top four's up for grabs. And we've got a title race on our hands as well. Um, I would agree with you that we've got a nice couple of games now. I mean, we'll go into the West Ham game shortly, but I, I don't see us having many issues at West Ham on Sunday, sorry mm -hmm. to say. And uh, well, then we've got Southampton. But it's in our hands and it's in Man City's hands. It's literally, you couldn't have got a better yeah. title race, really, with, with what is it, eight, eight, nine games to go. Um, you couldn't ask for much more. I mean, that that game at the Etihad is one of the biggest games in Premier League history, isn't it? If, if we win our games and they win theirs up to that point in the next three, then you're talking about one of the, the biggest games in well in the last 20 years for Arsenal um, mm. since the Invincibles era. That's, that's how long it's been for us since we've actually even really competed for a league properly. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's a terrifying prospect at 
have to go <laughs> to the Etihad and get get any sort of result. But I yeah. mean, we've the crazier things have happened. I mean, you remember I was I was speaking to someone the other day, Will, and I don't know if you get the same vibes. I'm not saying we're at the same level as them, but do you remember when Leicester went to Man City and beat them? Um, mm. And then they went on to win the titles, and it, it felt. I think it was not far off a similar sort of stage of the season, but it sort of told that it gave them the the confidence to to go on and win that league. It does feel like the same thing. If we can go there and get a point, at least even get a point, I I can see us going on to win it because I can't see us dropping. But the only game I can see us really dropping points at is Newcastle away this year, personally. Mm. Um, yeah. That seems to me like our toughest game outside of outside of City. Chelsea will be, will be hard at home because it's Chelsea and whatever anyone says, they've got good players, but they're not obviously... I mean, God knows what's going on at that club at the minute. It's an absolute yeah. mess from top to bottom, really. But, um, yeah, you can't exactly see that, tactical like, genius Frank Lampard posing you or Man City any problems, to be honest. No, I, I'm afraid not, to be honest with you, uh, for the, from their point of view. But yeah, like you say, we've got you guys, Southampton. We've got Brighton at home, the tough game. They are brilliant, by the way. What a, what a job Deserby's doing there. Um, yeah. What a brilliantly run club. They're, they're going to be very tough at home. I I think we might, agonisingly, might lose this on goal difference, this title, which will just mm. be the worst way to look. look. I mean... You look at you sort of everyone sort of laughed at Liverpool when it happened to them, and now it's happened mm. to us. You just feel the agony and how brutal it is. They're so relentless, this city side. They're so brilliant. You, they don't give you any yeah. breathing space whatsoever. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I kind of feel like we might we might just be pips of the title, but we're going to give it a good go, um, and that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think sort of just looking through City's fixtures now, the things you've got to grab onto, of course, like, you know, I'm sure you and all the rest of the Arsenal fans are doing exactly this at the moment, is is sort of trying to grab positives where you can. City, still in the Champions League, right, which I would argue certainly to Pep means more to him than the title. Obviously, he's going to want to win the title, especially it's against Arsenal and Arteta and that sort of thing. But I think deep down, Pep, is aware that the only thing missing from his Manchester City CV is the Champions League. So you've got that positive that they they'll they will be focusing on that. You're, I assume, hoping they get through um, against Bayern Munich in the, the quarterfinal, yeah. the first leg. Of course, um, Bayern go to City tonight, the day we're recording this podcast. If you're listening to it, the game might already have taken place. And then... <sighs> They're still in the FA Cup as well. You'd expect them to get past Sheffield United in the semi-finals, of course. And then there, then you look the other way, and then you think, okay, they're still in a few competitions, focus elsewhere, maybe. But I would argue their Premier League games are easier than yours. Leicester, they go to Brighton, which yeah. will be tricky. The game against sure. you, of course. They're away to Fulham. Even we beat, we won away at Fulham on the weekend, so they're not all that. Home to West Ham. Everyone knows what's going to happen there. Leeds at home. Everton away. Chelsea at home. Brentford away. You aren't going to have anything to play for. You can't really see them dropping points in the league, barring... Because nah. even if they're in other competitions, Cutsy, they're not weak, are they? No, that's the thing. I... Look, they're so that squad is just so well put together. 
Um, there's no weak points of it, really. And like you say, the two games that you hold out any hope for are Brentford and uh, Brighton away. But you can't see... I just They're so used to this. That's, the, that's their advantage over this. It's not just they've got a, a better run in than us. They're used to doing this. They, they've done this for years and years and years under Guardiola. Um, they know how to win. They know how to win 10 on the bounce. They know how to to win a title when it when it matters. Um, and we're not, we've not got the same experience. We've got a young squad who doesn't quite have that. Of course, hasn't quite had to go through all this yet. So mm. that's where they'll have an advantage as well. It's going to be very, very tough to keep pace with them because, like you say, I can see them winning every game this season, to be honest with you. The, yeah. the, you hold out hope that they stay in the Champions League for a bit longer. The FA Cup game won't distract them too much, to be honest with you. There's no disrespect to Sheffield United, but no. they'll be too strong for Sheffield United because obviously few of the Sheffield United loanies uh, uh, from City. and So that won't pose a big test to them. Bayern will, and hopefully they get through that and you can hold out a bit of hope from that. But I just, I think Arsenal need to win it rather than Man City lose it. That's this title. That's how I look at it now. We need to go out and win it ourselves and, and hopefully get some sort of result at the Etihad. That's what it comes down to for me. Yeah, of course, mate. Of course. Well, look, let's let's talk about uh, the very next game and the reason you're on the podcast. Obviously, it would be ridiculous not to talk to you about the uh, the chances of Arsenal winning their first title in 20 years. But to do that, the first step on the ladder, and you know, all Premier League managers are always talking about focus on the next game, and and that's all it can be for Arteta at the moment. The next game is West Ham away on Sunday. Two o'clock kickoff. We obviously go to Ghent in the Europa Conference League quarterfinal first leg on Thursday. Not exactly the longest journey in the world, but we've seen it before. Those games are taxing. It takes us. It takes it out of teams. You'll have seen it yourselves. Um, yeah, this season and seasons gone past. When you play midweek and then especially away games and come back, it does have an impact on the players. I don't think I've ever gone into a West Ham game. With less hope, Cutsy, to be quite honest with you, or less expectation <laughs> of us getting anything whatsoever. You've already alluded to the fact that you're fairly confident going into the game. Just sort of elaborate on on your thoughts and feelings ahead of that London Stadium clash a bit more. That I actually weirdly was cheering you on this week because I actually felt like. Um, that if you've got a result at Fulham, it might make it even easier for us next next week in a weird roundabout way. Um, because I can't see West Ham putting back-to-back results on personally for any, at any point this season. And, and I can't remember the last game, last time they put a little sequence of wins together. But uh, like you 1943, say, we, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That does feel like that. I do feel for yeah. you this season. Yeah, I just... I do. I do feel like we'll we'll be too strong for you. I think. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure how many of your your listeners would have watched the game on Sunday, the Arsenal game, but they were they were brilliant on Sunday. And so and so were and so were uh, Liverpool. And if we turn up like that, the the first forty minutes, if we turn up like that at West Ham in the first forty minutes, we we would have been three or four up at half time. Um, 
and and I think if we if we start quickly, we we could blitz blitz West Ham out of there. That's not there's no easy games in the Premier League, um, and obviously I I could be sounding far too overconfident, but I do just feel like we'll have far too much for you uh, on Sunday, and mm. um, yeah, I mean there'll probably be as many Arsenal fans in that stadium as there will. West Ham fans, uh, because it sounds like, from what I can gather, half of my mates are trying to buy up all the home tickets as well at the minute. So it could be, it could be quite fun in there on Sunday. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's it's certainly uh, not something the locals take too kindly to. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, West Ham, but no. <clears throat> yeah, no. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, what I mean, we've seen how Arsenal play all, all season, Cutsy. Um, what are you expected from, you know, like style-wise, team news, that sort of thing? Uh, so, we'll, we'll probably play the same team as we did at, uh, at Liverpool on Sunday. Um, Trossard, uh, who's been absolutely blind in this season, obviously, it was, it was a bit disappointing that you have to drop someone to the bench because he's been so good. But Jesus is... He's brilliant, isn't he? Uh, he's one of the best strikers in the league um, and, and, and holds it all, all, all together. He was brilliant for the first 60 minutes on uh, on Sunday. And uh, I think we'll, we'll start with the same same team, to be honest with you. Saliba is, is still a doubt. He's got a back injury at the minute. Um, and Rob Holdings come in, who, um, who despite being quite a significant downgrade, did, did okay at the mm. weekend and has done quite well when he's been called upon. Uh, he's not quite at the same level. So Saliba will be touch and go for Sunday. Depends if he can recover from this back injury in time, but I'm not sure they'll risk, they'll want to risk him, especially with City coming up in a few weeks. Um, they might just stick with the same team. So style, we've played the same way all season. Will, to be honest with you, um, no one's really worked out how to stop it yet as well. It's quite simple. Just, we play with two very deep wing, uh, deep win- wingers. Saka comes inside and gets the ball and drifts inside, and Martinelli sticks to the touchline and comes inside, and they just rotate like that and and let the others float around them. And Odegaard mm. pieces it all together. Um, and Rice has got a good big job on his hands on the Sunday to keep Odegaard uh, under wraps because if he can do that, you'd have a good chance of stopping us. But it's it's about whether that that midfield battle where we'll be too much for you, Party and Jacker and Odegaard will be too much for your midfield. Well, if Thomas Suchuk gets anywhere near the team, as he inexplicably does week in, week out, then I can safely say who's going to win the midfield <laughs> battle on Sunday. Uh, Cutsy, it's been brilliant having you on the show again, mate. We always love hearing from you. I feel really conflicted. And I think West, West Ham and Manchester City fans have always had this odd little romance and little connection so i think it's fair to say that most west ham fans want manchester city to win the title this season mm. uh, i certainly you could certainly uh uh put me in in that group i was talking about it over the bank holiday weekends uh which just sort of in a in a group environment had a game of golf and fans of all different teams sitting around the table um yeah. And everyone's sort of, you know, that oh yeah, I would sort of like Arsenal to win the league, something a bit different. Um, and I did make the point, and I just said, well, you obviously don't know the Arsenal fans that I do. 
Yeah, you, your uh, your face was forefront of my mind when I thought that, as well as a couple of our other colleagues uh, who are gooners. I just think you'd be too insufferable. I like you and I want you to succeed in all endeavours in your life. I just don't think I can cope with ever hanging out with you again or working with you or you, seeing you or speaking to you if Arsenal were to win the Premier League. Are you suggesting that I wouldn't mention it every day for the next, well, gone how long? Uh, <laughs> Until you uh, die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're probably right, Will. I, we would be in quite insufferable, but I mean, we haven't won, like I said, we haven't won the league for 20 years. So um, I think we, we're within our rights to be a little bit. But, you know, I, I, it's kind of weird, yeah, isn't always. it? I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. Like, there's kind of a mixed bag. So obviously, Tottenham fans and a lot of the London clubs and our players, uh, people like Chelsea, um, would obviously want City to win. Because I just don't think there's that same rivalry with Man City as there is with Arsenal. We There's history between all the big clubs and, and yeah. Arsenal. And it doesn't feel the same with Man City. So I think you're probably right, to be honest with you. And obviously Arsenal have a <sighs> an interesting, let's say, social media following, which could be quite uh, <laughs> insufferable for the, for the foreseeable future if they do win it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, be, yeah. wouldn't put it past most people to want City to win, to be honest with you. No, Quite all right, mate. Well, look, um, it's been brilliant having you on the show again. Give us a quick score prediction then Sunday afternoon in the Premier League, West Ham, Arsenal, London Stadium. This is going to come back and bite me. Uh, 4 1 Arsenal, 4 1 to Arsenal. Blimey, I don't think we'll yeah. get one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, I, to be honest, mate, after the Newcastle capitulation and the two wins we've got recently, which have been good. But like obviously good important points to get, but the performances have not been there. I can't see us having anywhere near enough fight or desire, let alone ability and um tactical now. So the only thing I'm sort of hoping for is that we just which I think is the only way forward the way we're playing at the moment, is we just put ten men behind the ball, um leave Antonio up front. Well, I don't even want Antonio to play, but he will. Um and it, so, yeah, the only chance we can see us half getting anything is 10 men behind the ball and Tony up front on his own, just chasing things down aimlessly for 89 minutes and you being unable to break us down. But listen, uh, I'm going to say, I never really predict West Ham defeats. I'm going to, yeah, I think it would be, I genuinely think it'd be like four, four I'm going to match you actually, so four times. So I don't see anything good happening whatsoever. Uh, a bit of a bleak time. West Ham at the moment, albeit I'm one of few uh, people trying to hold on to a bit of positivity, could still win a European competition. But anyway, Cutsy, Dan Cuts there, uh, Sun Sport, editor, huge gooner, joining us once again on the We Are West Ham podcast. Really appreciate you your time, mate. Stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts from me and Jonesy next. Well, there you have it, Jonesy. Um, another Another pack show. I really felt a bit strange coming into this one this week because I've got a bit of beef and I'm starting starting to think, you know, the last few weeks I've almost sort of just been trying to smile through the gloom, really, try and take some positives where I can. Um, and I appreciate not everyone feels the same way. I appreciate everyone, lots of people are more angry about it. But I don't know, perhaps it's just knowing the sort of West Ham team I've supported for most of my life. I just sort of feel if we end up coming 12th, 
and we're in a European quarterfinal and we get to a final or a semi, whatever it might be, that it's not that bad. And it's, it's hard to get infuriatingly angry about it, as some people clearly do and clearly it appears want me to. Um, and I just, I just find it difficult to do that. It's not good. I'm not, I'm not going around saying how brilliant it's been. I'm not like one of the, some of the more prominent um, accounts you might see on Twitter or West Ham, you know, things who are clearly just, you know, club and board shills. Like, <laughs> I'm not like that. I'm just trying to see a bit of positivity in it all. And just that perhaps it's not, I know it's, the football hasn't been good and some of the results have been poor. But I don't think it's as bleak as it has been, is what I'm saying, I think. So I'm just trying to maintain a little bit of positivity, certainly on this podcast, because t- trust me, there's an, if you want shouty West Ham content, just just pick up the We Are West Ham podcast and scroll through our Twitter timeline most weeks after most games. You can get, get a bit bleak. So it's a bit of a strange one going into this week's pod, Jonesy, but you, uh, have you got, what, what final thoughts have you got? for us um, with a couple of big games coming up. Well, just just on that point quickly, I think the reason why people are a lot angrier than perhaps the final result of this season might turn out to be in terms of mm. if it's 12th in a, in a final or 12th court final, semi-final, whatever it is, um, but people are still angry, then I think a lot of that's the fact that we've been sport rotten over the last two years. We've been... We, we, we were mm. given some two very... Incredible seasons, some fantastic memories, ones that yeah. we never thought were even possible in the next 10 years, let alone a year or two coming out of COVID when we were in that relegation battle. And um, we thought that we were, we thought the situation we're in now, we thought that was all behind us. We thought relegation battle was behind us. We really thought that we'd mm. reached the, the next level and we've slipped back into it. I think there's more frustration than anger. The anger might come about by the fact that the club probably haven't made a managerial change while everyone else around us has. It's added to the tension a little bit. It's like, have we made the right decision by sticking, holding on? Um, but it's, it's an accumulation of things. But you're right. I think if we finish 12th and then whatever happens in the Conference League, if we get past the, the, the court finals, then whatever happens in that competition can be seen as a positive, I think. And then we go again. If you finish 12th, 13th, then so be it. As long as we stay in the Premier League, for me, that's all that really matters. Like we go again next year, rebuild in the summer. Um, but for the for the next few days, I see us winning in Belgium. I think we'll win one nil there. It'll be it'll be a tight a tight win, but we'll, we'll take a good result. It'll bring a good result back to London for us for the second leg next week. And then Arsenal. I mean, I mean, where do I start? Is there even any point? I mean, they're they're going to win the league, so. Um, I don't see any reason. Ooh. Like they're going to win the league. Um, nah, and City are going to. And um, I don't see us getting anything against them. I think it, I think they'll beat us two or three nil. Unfortunately, um, so most years I go into Arsenal at home thinking, yeah, we could probably nick something from them. But this year I just don't see it. I think they're they're very good this year, and it worries me. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, you obviously heard uh, Cutsy on earlier on, me and him both uh, gunning for a 4-1 Arsenal victory. Him first, I might add, and I just couldn't really think of any convincing argument why it would be anything other than that. But, um, yeah, so, you, know, you never know, do you? I suppose it's the only thing you say when... That is the thing you say, isn't it? When you're 
convince your team's going to lose. You just say you never know in football. Uh, I think we do know in football this time around. I can see us getting a bit of a hiding. But getting away on, on Thursday, I'm just really looking forward to it. Just, you know, uh, just get behind the team in the Conference League. I just think it could be a positive. If, if we do that, that will get us Europa League qualification. That's the same achievement, the same prize as if we finish 12th in the league. We're not going to do that this season. And I think if we get behind the team in the Conference League and we win it, it will be a huge positive for next season. It will help us hold on to players more. It will help us attract a bigger and better manager if that's what fans are after. I just generally think it's not this Mickey Mouse thing after all. The league form is what it is. We've got a win and some fans still weren't happy. But for now, just focus on the league. We're probably going to get beaten by Arsenal. Sorry, focus on the Conference League this Thursday. We're probably going to get beaten by Arsenal. But I think that's a net positive week. If we don't get walloped at, by Arsenal, if it's one or two nil, goal difference is okay. But we get through and we put ourselves in a good position to get into a European semi-final again. I think that's overall a good week. Would you agree, Jonesy, before we say goodbye? Yeah, the goal difference now is is key. The Newcastle result yeah. didn't help matters, but, it, you know, there is a risk that the relegation battle goes down to goal difference. Yeah. So we need to just preserve that as best we can. So, yeah, if we if we do, are losing to Arsenal, which is likely, then just keep the score down. Mm. And one thing I would say to those fans who sort of seem to be, I don't know if they're expecting us or wanting us to play, just turn up and play like 1970s Brazil out of nowhere. I think for your own sort of well-being or whatever, I just don't think that's just not going to happen. I just think that's a bit unrealistic. Like just for your own blood pressure and your health, just like lower your expectations. Performance-wise, slightly. Obviously, we all want wins. We all want that. I understand that. But it doesn't appear like David Moyes is going to be sacked by West Ham before the end of the season. So given that, whether you agree with that or not, just uh, I wouldn't expect Brazil-like performances. Do you know what I mean? Like, we have seen us play some half-decent football this year, but as Jonesy said earlier in the podcast, if we manage to limp through to the end of the year, if we stay up, then that's all we can really worry about. And then we go again and hope and expect for more this season. It's not quite as bad as some people will have you believe, but I do think that among the West Ham fan base, the silent majority, as they're often called, uh, are still a little bit excited. There's still stuff to to hope for this season and, and get behind. I hope we can all do that, starting with Gentaway in a European quarterfinal on Thursday. And then let's just shut our eyes, grit our teeth and cross our fingers when Arsenal come to town on Sunday in the Premier League. As always, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Do get involved if you can uh, on social media. Get stuck into uh, the Instagram at We Are West Ham Pod. Hit us up in the DMs and you might get read out or me and Jones will reply to you one or the other. Get us on Twitter at We Are underscore West Ham. I'm at William Pugh underscore James is at by James Jones. And please, if you can as well, Jonesy will be including links to uh, SpeakPipe, it's called, where you can leave voice notes, reactionary voice notes after each and every West Ham game, which we'll be putting up as a bonus episode. We might be reacting to some of them, uh, but they'll certainly all be included on that bonus podcast we put out the day after every game. It'd be really good if you could get involved this week. First of all, Thursday, wait again, and then Arsenal on Sunday. We love the interaction. Appreciate it all this week. Sorry we didn't get around to reading some of the emails from the guys uh, over the Atlantic talking about the streaming stuff, but do get stuck in. We do read all the stuff. We do appreciate it. 
West Ham United are still massive. We've got a European quarterfinal this week before a game at home to Arsenal in the Premier League on Sunday. Really, really could still be positives at the season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Up the hammers. West Ham are still massive, believe it or not. And we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.